What's up, everybody? Welcome back to SSPN. I'm Jude. That's my man, Ethan. And I didn't even point on the screen there, but it doesn't matter because we're back, Ethan. How are you, my guy? I'm good, buddy. I got a little bit of a sore throat, so yeah. I apologize for that, but I'm happy to be here nonetheless. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I got a final project done at about six today, just in time for the stream. And I'm so excited to finally talk about the Spurs. We've been on a two week hiatus since we made the pregame show for the play in game, which the Spurs did unfortunately lose. I was wrong on my lose. prediction. We got second. We got 10th, technically. <laughs> in, the, in the game, we got second. <laughs> That's no, no, no. so true. We did get second in the game. And second is the best. Yes, Anyways. exactly. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll just go back to that game a little bit before we jump into some offseason stuff with the Spurs season, you know, now being officially over. And we'll, we'll talk about the playoffs maybe a little bit at the end, because look at the Pelicans. I know that mm -hmm. the Phoenix won last night, but still obviously a tough team. Right. Um, but just what were your thoughts on that game? I thought it was really similar to the Grizzlies game last year, but it had, had a little bit of different differences. Yeah, eerily similar. Um, well, first and foremost, the Pelicans are just a flat-out better team. I can admit that they have better talent all around. Their bench is a little bit more you know, filled out. Brandon Ingram is on a whole other level. Um, but I think the other thing that really kind of derailed us was DeJounte being sick for those couple of weeks prior. He clearly wasn't himself. Then the refs really kind of put him in foul trouble early, so he was out of rhythm. And then Jakob Pertl was also in and out of foul trouble throughout the game. Um, so we just never found our rhythm, which is this exact same thing that happened last season. Um, but shout out to Devin Vassell, man. Really the only bright spot because Keldon was MIA. Uh, DJ, like I said, in foul trouble. But he had, I think it was a 20, 23 points, a career high for him. I'm looking at the stats right now. That's what I was trying to find. Yes, 23, 2, and 3. Yeah, he played a really good game. The only bright spot because he was really like a spark plug for us. And for a little bit there, it looked like we might actually be able to get back into the game because of him. Um, but, you know, he obviously we couldn't get it done. I was a little surprised Lonnie Walker did not play that much. I think he only had 17 minutes or so. But yeah. from what I saw, I thought he was really giving us, you know, some instant offense. I don't and know he what was, happened. He was liking a lot of tweets after the game, talking about how he felt like he should get more PT, and then unliked him later. So probably a little mm -hmm. bit of an emotional reaction from Lonnie there. But yeah, 12 points on that night. And I think he he had a couple misses, but like overall, he was getting us some buckets when we needed to. Mm -hmm. And some energy off the bench that was desperately needed because um, the Pelicans were had all the momentum the entire game, man. It was pretty pretty rough to watch. Yeah. Uh for some reason, it's like been super hard to find the stats, but I can't get like the exact shot count. But he did shoot fifty five percent in that game, so like he shot well. Yeah. Um. So definitely, what that was probably the most interesting aspect of the play in for me was Lonnie only getting around seventeen minutes. That was I was expecting him to get more, especially considering like we drafted him. What did we draft him? No, we didn't draft him before Dejounte. But he's still like one of the older young guys, if that makes sense. I know that sounds weird, but he's in his contract here, right? Mm -hmm. So. It's it was just really interesting to see that. But um, looking at some of the other players in this game, I was looking at Trey Jones' stat. Didn't really do much. He just kind of had to play his backup role, and we were just getting killed there for a while. <laughs> I'm trying to mm -hmm. think of the memories of any Trey Jones. Not anything there though. Jay Rich hit some clutch shots late. Still only had about 12 points, uh, two rebounds, and two assists. But yeah, really, when it comes to that plan, man, when you get Dejounte Murray and Jakob Pertl having two fouls in the first quarter, 
that's i mean like we were lucky to only be down like 11 at halftime i think is what Mm -hmm. it was yeah so like that was just kind of doomed from the start with that and then on top of that when you consider that you just look at their talent and even without zion like we were talking about it in the pregame show you have a big three of Jonas valanciunas who has proven before that he can beat up yak in the paint and then you have brandon ingram on the wing which he was really just taller lengthier like kelden can play great defense but even brandon ingram is just with his length he's shooting over a, a pretty big guy in kelden right yeah <laughs> he's got a big body um and then you've got cj at the point guard who is an experienced player can kind of run the offense. I mean, even Jose Alvarado was going crazy on us, man. Herb Jones, you talked about him. We saw it in the game. I mean, they're just, they're a really good team. They're better than the Spurs just overall. And when it came to that run, I was just happy that we got back in it late, really, and gave ourselves a shot. Um, But really, I think that it's hard to get into rhythm and like play the way the Spurs want to play when DeJounte and Jakob are like forced off the floor. Yeah, 100%. Good job hanging around. Like, <laughs> Yeah, shout out to y'all. <laughs> well, now that we've gone through our painful, horrendous memories of that game, we can look towards the future and, and look at some good stuff with the San Antonio Spurs team potentially. And what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to run through every player on the roster, and we're basically just going to talk about his future going into the offseason, what we feel like he's going to be like on the floor, and then also just like kind of his role in like a, a team leadership perspective, like is he going to be a star? Is he going to be a role player, et cetera, et cetera? Um, as well as maybe what they can improve on, like skill wise, and what they can bring to the table. So I'll just start off right here. This is just kind of random, um, but it does start off with one of the bigger names on the roster, and that's Keldon Johnson. Ethan, what are your thoughts on Keldon kind of going into this offseason? I hope he takes it upon himself to improve his handles and or his mid range game. If he can do one of those two things, honestly, handles first, I think everything else will kind of come second because um, everyone has that same gripe with Keldon. It's either 100 miles an hour to the rim or it's you know standing behind the three-point line and knocking down an open spot-up jumper. Um, but if he can get just anything, any of those handles to kind of um, – I don't know why I said it like that. If he creates some no, hands, you're good. <laughs> he'll be able to create shots not only for himself but for other uh, players. He's the deep as in well. his bag. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> and I, I do think he'll be the second leading scorer again next season. I think this year he finished averaging 17 points per game. I don't think it's you know unlikely for him to get to that 20 points per game mark next season, Jude. I don't think it's unlikely either. You know, I was thinking about it just kind of coming into this episode, Ethan, and I feel like. There's four guys on the team that have star potential, mm-hmm. potentially, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's two guys on the team that definitely have star potential, and I think that that's DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson, for sure. I really believe in Primo, and we'll get to him later, But and Devin and Primo were the other two that I think have the potential to be. We just got to you know wait a little bit longer because we've only seen a rookie season. Um you know, I can believe as much as I want, but I want to see a little bit more of him getting consistent playing time before I'm like, oh my God, he's going to be an all-star, um, which is what exactly what I did with Keldon. And it turned out that, yep, he can be that. Um, what we saw from him this season, I mean, look, the three-point shooting, let's just start right there. I don't know exactly where he finished in the percentage rankings, but if you would have told me Keldon Johnson was shooting over 40%, like not not 40%, like 41, 42, because I know that's around where he finished, like I've would have been like that is an insane upgrade for him and that would have been a win for me on his development 
for the season. If you would have just told me that straight up, if you would have told me like 38%, I would have been like, wow, that makes us a much better team. But that sort of improvement, I think that's one, a testament to Chip England and what that man can do. And then two, also Keldon's work ethic. Um, And just the way that he was able to grow as a player this year. I mean, we saw multiple 30 point outings from him. Um, You know, it wasn't maybe as consistent as we would like all the time, but that second half of the year, it, it was as close to being consistent as you can be um, because he was really at least even like his down nights turned from 10 points to like 19 points in the second half of the year or 18, 15. And that um, I think was a big jump from him. So I really think that the Lonnie or not the Lonnie trade, the Derek trade really opened up the floor for him and that allowed him to kind of have more space and um, have the ball more to really, you know, thrive in kind of that second man role behind DeJounte. And all of that, while playing power forward, being guarded by guys that are like three, four inches taller, 20, 30 pounds heavier. So if we can get somebody to kind of move into that four spot, allow him to slide back to the three, you know, his game will look even better. Yep. And that'll allow him to utilize his shooting more because he'll be on the perimeter more. Um, But in order to do that, he kind of has to do what you said, get a little bit more you know, deep in his bag, get some crossovers, get some more hop steps, get in the gym with DeJounte. DeJounte's got a lot of dribble moves, man. Mm -hmm. So all he has to do is, you know, let DeJounte get him right. And, uh, he'll be, he'll be good to go for sure. Only 22 years old for Kelvin Johnson. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. Eric Pacina said, what's up in the chat? What's up, my guy? Good to see you back. First one in first comment for show. Um, but the second person on our list, Ethan, unless you don't have, have any more comments about Keldon. I'm good. Devin Vassell, the mm. one man that showed up in that game, like you mentioned. I forgot to talk about that, but I mean, just to see that from him in the big moments, that really makes you feel good about Devin Vassell moving forward into this offseason. Um, he really showed the ability to be uh, a sniper in that game, and it was kind of really good to see because in the latter half of the year it felt like he kind of fell off when it, mm-hmm. with, when it came to his shooting and like we know that he's a shooter you can just tell by his form but you know everybody has caught some hot and cold spells so to see him do that in the playing game it really boosted our confidence or at least my confidence and it was great to see that from Devin um still only look what I think he's 21 years old um I mean, 6'7", he's got some versatility. If you want to go small ball, obviously you and I would like to, you know, take make a little bit more of a push for some height on the team. But whenever it comes to Devin, he has that ability in the modern NBA to play two through four um, just with this height and length. So what were your thoughts on Devin kind of going into the, this offseason? I'm happy with what he brought this year, averaging 12 points a game. Um, but there's something about Devin going into next season that our other young guys really didn't have to experience. And that is, there's nobody in front of him now. Like, everybody else kind of had an excuse. Like, oh, well, he Keldon has DeMar playing in front of him. So, obviously, he's not going to be that productive. You know, same thing with DJ. You know, they had a little bit longer of a window to kind of have that, you know, oh, but he's just playing behind a bunch of vets. He hasn't had his opportunity yet. Next season at 21 years old, he's the starting two guard barring any crazy free agency or or draft night moves that we potentially might make so he's got to up his production to at least i would say 15 16 points per game on an efficient shooting clip i'm talking getting closer and closer to that 40 percent mark from three and just adding a little bit of strength he's already has the moves to create space 
and make shots happen for himself. We've seen it on a nightly basis. But I think if he just adds a little bit more strength, you know, the shot will fall with more consistency and he'll be able to finish um, you know, amongst the trees a little bit more often. So hopefully that's what he works on this offseason and makes that next jump going forward. Yeah, I feel like, you know, what you just hit on, kind of driving towards the rim, I think that's really the area where he can improve because you know he has the ability, like you said. Um, I mean, he has the ability to create, but he has the ability to drive too. Mm -hmm. It just seems like sometimes when you're watching those layups, he gets blocked or there's just a body there and he's not able to get the angle he wants, and that would be helpful if he was able to move the guys a little bit uh, with some muscle. But another thing that I forgot to mention about Devin is in that second half of the season when he really took on that that starting role um, after Derek was traded. I mean, you saw the improvement in the team, and I think that he definitely had something to do with that. Yeah. Obviously, like I mentioned, that opened things up for Keldon, but Devin Vassell's defense and the things that he does just off the ball, drawing attention because he's a shooter. I mean, there were so many things that didn't show up on the stat sheet that, that you know aren't necessarily quantifiable that he does um, that really... I think just add, they create wins. They're winning mm. plays. That's yeah. the best way that I would describe him. So you love to see that from him. And one last thing about Devin last off season, he was really getting practice touches with the second unit being that like first guy off the bench, um, so far as scoring the basketball. And then he had halfway through the season with the Derek white trade moved into the starting lineup. I'm sure that was like a big, you know, mental hurdle to kind of get over figure out where he fits next to dj and Keldon, all these guys yep. so having one more off season to build that chemistry and figure out where he can get his shots uh, i think he'll look really like a lot better next season yep and he's gonna have more opportunity too i mean mm -hmm. he is gonna be an off ball like he's probably gonna be like i want to do what i did in the playing game every mm -hmm. game and he can be a star. He's somebody, like I said, I believe can really has the potential to develop because his mid-range game even, like, and his mm -hmm. length too that I've mentioned on this show before. Um, I mean, he's just such a versatile player. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how he rises because if he starts becoming a stud, it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, but Eric has one more question about him. So is Devin a two or a three? If so, does he start at the three and Keldon stays at the four? I think we're going to continue playing him at the two. Maybe not. I don't know. I was thinking about this today because the other guy I mentioned is Primo. And this is a little bit off topic, Ethan, but I got a question for you. Do you think that the Spurs will go with the DeJounte, Primo, Devin, Keldon, Jakob lineup? Like, do you think that's their dream? You think that's what they want? Well, that's what they certainly did down the stretch of the season. Um, I wouldn't Because that be way surprised. you can play all those guys. Yeah, it's it would be you know a complete 180 from the normal Spurs way of doing things, which is just putting Primo at the end of the bench and going with what we know. So in that in that case, I'd be for it. But I really want to draft or sign a guy that can play the four spot. That's just taller. I mean, no knock against Kelvin. He's just six five. Came into the league as a shooting guard, and he's playing the four spot, yeah. and he's giving it his best out there. But you know, when we play these guys that are that are versatile and long, like a Herb Jones and a Jackson Hayes and a Valanciunas. I mean, Kelvin was locked up. He couldn't do anything offensively or defense. And it's not his fault. Yeah. It's not. It's just a system thing. Like he, There's nothing he can do. Um, so I'd rather him play at the three and have Primo come off the bench because then Primo can really be that primary ball handler too. I know we'll get into that here in a second, but I, I wouldn't be mad necessarily and unless they just absolutely didn't draft a four and they just decided to roll out the exact same team with no – <laughs> with no backup for yeah uh, and then and i'd be a little upset <laughs> i was thinking about that it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what i was thinking about i was like man i was looking at this roster and i was like we really could just run it back 
Mm-hmm. Like, and I would, and, and that's that. Now I think that's what we're gonna do. But, anyways, in regards to Eric's question, um, I think it kind of just depends on on what the Spurs do. I see him. I think naturally he's a three, but I think if we keep Keldon and move him to the three, then I think Devin will stay at two. But the thing is, he's such a good shooter, and he's he's fast too. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Um, and he's such a good perimeter defender. It's like you can kind of play him anywhere, which is one of his biggest benefits. Yeah, he's a matchup nightmare. Yep. Oof. All right. Well, moving on to number three, Ethan. This is by far the most intriguing player on this list to me, and that's Lonnie Walker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so as we know, he is a restricted free agent this offseason. Um, to me, Lonnie down the stretch kind of came back and, and got some of my, um, I don't know, your your love, your love, my love back. Yeah, because every once in a while he'll just turn it on for a couple weeks, and you're like, "This is the guy that I've been waiting waiting for." But it's the inconsistency thing that continues to plague him, and I don't know if it's him not getting enough minutes, him feeling uncomfortable because of Pop. A lot of people think that there's that dynamic going on where he just feels trapped by Popovich's system and he can't play freely, all that stuff. I tend to avoid that narrative because, one, I can't prove it, and two, so many guys have shown that Pop's a great coach. Like, Keldon has worked through that, DJ, everybody else, so is it just the Lonnie Walker problem? Um, He averaged 12 points a game, so I don't want to say that he was just abysmal the whole year because he wasn't, but I think we were both expecting 15-plus, and for him to come into the game and be just an absolute microwave, like a Jordan Clarkson-type player, which he was not, unfortunately. And then Devin ended up kind of stealing that six-man role from him. And then Josh Richardson came in, and we were like, oh, Jay Rich is like a better Lonnie because he can actually knock down a three-ball with some consistency. Um, so all that being said, I wouldn't have a problem bringing him back, especially on the qualifying offer. Um, I'd, I'd more than welcome him to come back on that qualifying offer, but I would not pay him really that much at all. Um, so if somebody offers him a big bag, I'm afraid it's, you know, sign Orlani. Thanks for that Houston Rockets game. Um, <laughs> have a great career. You know, I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Ethan. I really have no words for this. Um, I mean, it, it's a contract year. Like you said, we were just expecting a little bit more and we just didn't get it. Um, you know, you saw after the trade, he like the rest of the team benefited from the move and played a little better. He's somebody who can go get you a bucket, not really consistently, um, but from time to time (laughs) when he decides to. um, And then defensively, he just never really, I mean, he never did anything that wowed you. He just became like an average defender. And that was like this year. He finally became just, all right, he's decent. (laughs) <laughs> he's not a liability anymore and it's just that's what it kind of came down to um so yeah i bring him back on the qualifying offer also and i'd love to give him another chance as a six man next year i would mm-hmm. love to do that i think that he could prove me wrong i think he has all the talent in the world um but just off of this year and what we've seen what we haven't seen since that houston game that you mentioned yeah. um it's kind of just like I'm. I'm not sure if he. Yeah, I don't. I don't pay him a lot. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. pay him a lot. <laughs> that's yeah. that's my thing. So I, I think he's probably going elsewhere this off season. Maybe the not unf- though. 
Yeah, the unfortunate thing for Lonnie is it's not even just about his play that is like the case for why he should leave. Because we have Josh Richardson now, who's playing very well. We have Primo, who's younger and playing very well. And Trey was a Jones. Pick. Trey Jones, who has surprised a lot of people as a solid backup point guard. His brother's playing phenomenal right now in the playoffs. So that shows me what Trey's ceiling could possibly and be. He came in in what, his second year and has taken the reins of the Popovich offense off the mm-hmm. bench? Yes, we also have Wheeze Camp, who's going to be coming back, and three first-round picks, and one of those is bound to be a guard. Yep. So it's like that guard is that guard spot's getting backed up once more. So who are we going to keep? The guys that are cheap and the guys that have a lot of potential, or the guy that could potentially cost us a bunch of money that the Kings are going to throw ten million at? <laughs> mm, that'd be a fast some... backcourt. Oh my lord! Oh Lonnie. I hope we bring him back and give him one more chance because, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I like him. I don't think that Pop gave him the Manu comparison for anything. Like, we know that this guy has talent for sure. It just it just hasn't worked out so far. But for somebody that it has worked out for is the man we were just talking about, Trey Jones. Um, what are your thoughts on the, that man, Trey, and uh, what his looks are in the offseason? I hope he gets consistent minutes next year because I think he can be one of the most reliable backup point guards in the NBA. Just like Tyus Jones, where you can kind of put him in in that starting lineup, which is what the Memphis Grizzlies did this season when Jaw went out with injury, and they really didn't miss a step because he's just so, you know, efficient not only with his scoring but with his passing ability. He's just a natural floor general that understands how to play the game, which is perfect for a Popovich-run system. Um, so next year, I, I don't think he'll average a lot more points. I think he he's a guy that can get like seven points a game maybe and, and like five or six assists a game and play solid defense somebody that we can rely on um all year all year long and for his offseason improvement i think he just needs to get into the gym and, and shoot threes that's all he needs to do because he showed flashes of being able to knock him down in the second half of the season and in the play-in game too um I, it's just going to be a, a consistency thing for him so if he can get to that like 30 percent mark he's a dangerous backup point guard jude once upon a time, Ethan, on this show, I believe that I said Trey Jones, he didn't have a broken jumper. And some people, they didn't believe me. They it didn't believe good. me, Ethan. And You're now right, Jude. He, he made those shots. You know, we saw more as the season went on. And look, it, he's never going to be like a sniper. That's yeah. never what I said. I'm just saying if you leave him wide open, he's going to get to a point where he can knock him down. And really, who knows? I mean, look, I don't know. Maybe he's never going to be a pure shooter, but... Tyus can do it, so maybe a couple summers with Chip can do it. We'll have to see. Um, it, it turned Keldon turned into a forty percent three point shooter, so who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's true. I mean, that's crazy to say, but it, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they can work their magic. But yeah, I mean, just a fantastic defender, um, a great playmaker, and I mean, just like you said, the literally like the perfect backup point guard. He's just like a Tyus Jones clone. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> and, they, and they went 18 and two. And then it's just funny because like right now he's like the mini version of Tyus basically. And he literally did the same thing when DeJounte went out and it was crunch time. It was way mm-hmm. smaller. It wasn't 18 and two, but it was like he came in, became the starter and got his team to the playoffs, like kept them where they needed to be. So yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see where Trey is moving forward and i'm just excited that we've kind of found like the robin to Dejounte point guard off the bench there you go love it (laughs) all right going back up to the other list now we have our all-star Dejounte murray there's not too much to be said other than we love him 
But Ethan, mm-hmm. the floor is yours. Couldn't have asked for more this season. <laughs> really, just the biggest bright spot on an otherwise dark. I'm gonna and interrupt you. Season. Go ahead. What What was your prediction this year, Ethan, about Dejounte? I believe it was twenty eight and eight. I think it was twenty seven and seven. You just said to was up it? it by like two. Yeah. Okay, twenty seven and seven, and I was pretty close. Twenty one, eight, and nine was, and two steals is what he finished at on a pretty efficient shooting splits as well. The only thing I ask of DeJounte Murray this offseason is to keep working on that jump shot. That's it. Because if he can be an off-ball guard too, this team is very dangerous. Because he's 26. He's 26. He can knock it down. We've seen him hit it. If he gets to 34%, 34%, that's all I need. Because then Devin Vassell and Keldon can kind of, you know, take their man off the dribble, and now they can't leave DJ because he's just that much better, that much more of a consistent shooter. So if he can just get that, he, he he's unstoppable, really. He's a triple-double machine that can score at all three levels legitimately. So next season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to up him. Let's see. 24, 9, and 9, and another two steals a game. I think that's fair. I think that's that's a really fair like ask we'll have to we'll have to see what happens but man there's nothing to say i mean this was just is this like the most crowded mip pool ever it was uh yeah it was (laughs) like like if we had anything like this anything close to this with this many young players just taking like massive jumps and they're all point guards too Mm -hmm. like the three finalists are three like leaders of the team point guards they didn't even count Lamelo ball who had a Mm -hmm. pretty good season um Anthony Edwards even could be put in that category, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, but, yeah, going back to our man DJ, I mean, there's not there's not really too much else to say. Really, Ethan, I'm with you. Like, just keep like keep getting in the gym, putting those jumpers up. Because if, if he can add that to his game, like you said, then really, I mean, that just opens up even more for the offense, which was already opened up after the second half of the season, uh, after the trade deadline, I mean. But... Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think of things to say about Dejounte, but I mean, he didn't really. I, 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 I like people might be like, "Oh, the play-in performance wasn't bad or wasn't good," and that's true. But I also think that he kind of got screwed a little bit. Like he those did. were some ticky-tack foul calls that you can go to other calls in that game that were like more rough and they weren't called. Mm-hmm. So. Plus and that's not even me saying that like they should have been. That's just me saying that like there was inconsistency in the officiating in the game. And not saying that's why we lost. I'm just saying that that you know I don't think you can like be like oh he's a choker when you know you get taken out of your rhythm in the first quarter. So yeah. Anyways, gonna get a question here from our man Ananta Prajna, and he says everyone talked about DJ's inconsistency before this season. Just like everyone talks about Lonnie's. Um, so, what are you, what are your thoughts on this, Ethan? <laughs> uh, I don't think I talked or personally. I can't speak for Spurs fans in general, but I never talked about DJ's inconsistency. I thought DJ was, you know, not a very good shooter and kind of unfortunately in Demar Derozan's shadow um, because he and Demar had such similar games. It was hard for them to coexist. Therefore, DJ just didn't put up big numbers all the time. You know, that was my biggest gripe. But, yeah, go ahead, Jude. I think, so, 
for me, I don't ever think I never thought he was inconsistent on defense. I thought he was inconsistent on offense a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but that was still definitely more base towards the three point line. But I, I can say I think that's what he's referencing. There were some times where he'd be on and off. He wouldn't be a ball stopper. But I think that the thing I think that the um, what's the word? I can't think of it right now. The illness there was Lamarcus and Demar kind of clogging up the offense like and I think that's why you saw this year with DJ being the guy the inconsistency kind of went away but that was because of the spacing like I think that that messed up his rhythm the way that we play now it's way more tailored to his traits um Lonnie's inconsistency I think just comes from like like it's been consistent throughout all of that if that makes sense yeah like through through those years like that was still i don't know i don't i think that that's a little bit they're not necessarily as comparable but we'll have to see he says other channels (laughs) but then he says yeah true so okay we appreciate you anata (laughs) all right we'll move on to the next one and that is Dejounte murray's big and that is jacob purtle who's got one more year left on his deal should be interesting hmm I think he's a steal for his current price, um, averaging about 13-9 a game, not to mention the three assists. I was not expecting this good of a season from Jakob. Um, and I think he started stronger than he finished. I'm not sure why, but to um, I don't know. I Because a little bit inconsistent in his aggression. When he was aggressive, he was terrific and clearly, to me, a top-10 center in the NBA. But when he got conservative, when he started playing soft, um, he was a little tough to watch trade bait. Yeah, <laughs> Eric, I, th- I think he could be trade bait this season because he's an expiring deal because there was so much. There's a know, lot of bigs available mm-hmm. in free agency, too. People really wanted him at the at the deadline this season, and we just couldn't get a deal done, um, especially if we kind of want to move up in the draft or, or draft a big and then kind of give them free reign over that center spot. Who knows? Um, but assuming we have him next year, I don't expect a huge jump from him. Probably around the same 13 9. Um, you know, just continuing to do Jakob things, playing great defense, and every once in a while having a good offensive game. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an, another great sum up there, Ethan. Um, whenever it comes to Jakob, this year, I think the improvements that we saw from him were just like you said, we saw a little bit more of aggressiveness. Um, Still not as much as maybe we would like, but we saw it a lot more. We saw, and he had a bunch of other 20 and 11 games, close to triple doubles almost, sometimes passing the ball. So he he definitely had some improvements. This was the best year of his career, I'd 100%. say. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, I, I think, unfortunately for Jakob, I think that his, like, at his best on a, on a championship roster, he is your backup center. Because he's just, he's got a little too slender of a frame he gets pushed around. You like it because he can run the floor better than a lot of other bigs. Um, so there's there's pros and cons to his frame. Um, and one of the cons is just that in a play-in matchup, he's going to get pushed around by Jonas Valanciunas. And <laughs> Valanciunas is going to go for 20 and 10. And like, that's the difference between like, you know, your Carl Anthony Townses of the NBA, you know, those type of guys who can bang and stretch the floor. Jokic, I mean, obviously... You know, Jakob shouldn't be have to be those guys with his skill set, but like that's just the difference between him and those type of guys. Even you could say 
um, a Julius Randle. Obviously, you know, we, we kind of backed off that a little bit, but like that's somebody else who could just be able to bang down low in a way that Jakob can't. Um, so he has his limitations, but still, you know, I, I love his chemistry. I love what he does. There's some inconsistency, but uh, for $9 million, I'm like, I want him on my team because that's a steal at, at the NBA rate that he'd get paid. 100%. Let's see. Our man RR210 Texas says, should the Spurs go after Aiton? And it seems like that we got a lot of, uh, like Ethan, or like Eric said, excuse me, trade bait. So what are your kind of thoughts to potentially moving him because he is such a movable contract and getting uh, a big available in the offseason like a DeAndre Ayton? I know we've talked about this a little bit, but just to answer our man's question. And then also, you know, other options like a Mitchell Robinson. I can't I can't remember the other centers, but I know there's some other like decent centers out there that maybe a lot of people would consider an upgrade. Well, with Aiton, I'm 100% on board. I would love to get DeAndre Aiton. I think he's a tremendous improvement at that center spot. He can do everything that Jakob Pertl can, but he can also just score more as far as like a low post score. Um, also, he's younger, more athletic, all those things. Um, my only question is I have no idea if he has any interest in not only leaving Phoenix, but just coming to San Antonio. Yeah. I have heard nothing about him wanting to come to San Antonio, being at all connected to San Antonio. Um, if he is, then yes, 100%. Let's trade Jakob on draft night and go sign DeAndre Aiden. <laughs> I just don't think it's very likely at all. Um, Mitchell Robinson, I like Mitchell Robinson. My only worry with him is injury. And statistically, he does about the same thing as Jakob Pertl. I know he's more athletic, which makes a lot of people excited. And I, some people are really into him. Um but it just makes me nervous and probably because I just haven't watched enough live New York Knicks basketball to tell you, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not against making an improvement at the center spot. Cause I don't think Jakob Pertle is our center of the future. I just think for right now, like Jude said, for the price you're paying, he's a great option. So I'm going to give you some other names here, Ethan. And I want to tell me, like, tell me what you think about him. Cause I think this is an interesting discussion that like a lot of Spurs fans would want to talk about, but also I think this is realistic. Like this is, if the Spurs were going to make a trade, I could see this being a move just because his contract is such a steal. Um, so Nurkic, that's somebody else. And I feel like that's somebody who would be like, a, I mean, obviously he's got some injury wear and tear, but still only 27. Um, and he's somebody else. Like he reminds me of like a Valanchunas. He's somebody yeah. who can bang. Um, there's obviously Aiton. Um, Serge Ibaka is out there. I don't think that's somebody that we want. Okay. Uh, Thomas Bryant and Mo Bamba. Those were the other two that I was looking at. And Andre Drummond. And Drummond's oh. been playing. Drummond's been playing well. I don't know if that's necessarily an upgrade over Yaka, but he's been playing well. I liked what he had with the Nets. I feel like now he knows his role. And if he'd be willing to come on a like a cheap deal, that'd be some somebody that could bring something. But yeah, here's what I'll say about that. His defense is nowhere near Yakov's, though, the more I'm thinking about it. My, my thing here, Jude, I'm not against that, but the only reason I would sign a guy like an, like an Andre Drummond or a Sergi Baca, I can't remember the third name that you just said. How about, um, um, this is Nurkic. Nurkic, yeah. Well, or Mobamba. Mobamba. Like Thomas, Thomas Bryant. The only reason I would sign one of those guys, because none of those guys, other than the Andre Ayton, to me, are um, like going to take us to that next level. So the only reason I would sign one of them is if I drafted a center with our first pick trade Jakob, 
bring another piece in, maybe a four or just like a draft pick. Who who knows? Whatever. Sign one of those guys just to kind of be a place setter for now, so that our you know draftee can kind of grow without having to be that that number one guy right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. In all honesty, I'm I'm looking at some of these names and like there's an appeal to all of them, but I think that the only one that like really you could say has a higher ceiling for certain is DeAndre Ayton. Um, and my thing with DeAndre Ayton, I know you said you're very you you'd like it, you'd be into it. Mm. I just would rather save my money and pay Primo, Keldon, and Devin. Like, I'd rather keep those three guys somehow, which I think if we bring them up together, they'd be willing to do. It's like, on any other team, DeJounte Murray is like already getting paid like $24 million. But because of the Spurs and because they want to keep their core together and like keep the culture and because of, you know, this, this thing that San Antonio has that a lot of other teams don't have. I think Memphis is building something similar right now. That's something different. But the point is, I don't think those guys will take you know, those would take those deals if we start, you know, we just wouldn't have the money, first of all, but I don't think they'd do it anyways, because then we'd be adding another star to the team Mm -hmm. that would kind of take away from their role. Um, And so that's where Emezi's question comes in. And that's how much is Aiton going to get paid? If we could get some reasonable deal for DeAndre Aiton, but it's, it's the restricted free agency market. So that's not going to happen. So I'm not, I'm personally, I mean, like if we do it, I'm not going to be mad. Like if I'm like, Oh, the Spurs, like if it comes out on, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski, the Spurs have offered, you know, a crazy deal to DeAndre Aiton and the Suns aren't going to match. He's a spur now. I'll be happy because I'll be like, okay, this means that the front office really believes and I trust them more than myself. But until that happens, I'm going to roll with keeping the cap space for other guys that are playing well and we're building this chemistry. Let's not ruin that thing. And that is 100% what's going to happen. <laughs> hey, we appreciate it. I appreciate it, Eric. That's a good take. And then also, as Easy says, bring back Kyle Anderson. I'm for it. I am I'm for it. it. I think he would be a fantastic either starting or backup for. Um, and it would, it's like, oh, we could have that. And he can kind of do everything that Keldon does already. Like he still has the playmaking and shooting. So versatility. We love it. Let's move on, though. Uh, so we last left off on Jakob Pertl. Let's go to Kieta Bates-Diop. This will probably be a short one, but what were your thoughts about uh, Kieta Bates? He's always in the right place at the right time. He doesn't take shots away from anybody. Plays good, versatile defense. Can't ask much more from him because, you know, what would I ask <laughs> from Kieta Bates-Diop? Almost nothing. So every night he always just kind of makes me happy when he plays. I don't expect anything less or more from him next year. Just about the same. Hey, his 30-point game against the Lakers, where technically LeBron James was guarding him, uh, will live in Spurs lore forever, right? (laughs) Shout out to Clan the Spurs fan being in here as well. We appreciate it. Y'all go check out his channel. He's on the Kyle Anderson hype train, (laughs) at least bringing him back, right? Um, Love, I mean, when you watch like the Grizzlies in the playoffs and you see what he brings, like it, what's, there's just like, oh my gosh, this is what we thought slow-mo could be when we drafted him and now mm-hmm. he's like fast mo a little bit <laughs> medium mo medium mo that's a good way to describe it swiss right. army knife so after kbd we got jock landale in his rookie year the 26 year old rookie unusual but um we got to see a little bit of him at the four at the end of the year um obviously just a great spurs culture guy too 
um, bringing the coffee gang back a little bit with Patty and all the other guys being retired now. Um, what are your thoughts on Jock? Uh, I thought he played well this season. Um, I know everybody was clamoring for him to get minutes early on, and he really wasn't getting them. But when he finally did, he usually made the most of it. Um, always on the offensive boards, um, always banging down low, a pretty nice jump shot. I know it was a little inconsistent toward the end of the season, uh, but just having a big out there that's a threat to knock down a jump shot um, was huge for us, uh, you know, scheme-wise. I don't know what to expect from him next year, especially since most people think we're going to draft a big at some point in the first round. So I would envision that big taking minutes away from Jock Landale. Plus, we have Zach Collins, who is now back and going to have a full offseason healthy, which is, is, which he is nice. I mean, most likely, but it is a team option. I, w- I would see him coming back. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. I would see him. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know what to expect from Jock. Um, but like you said, continuing to be that Spurs culture guy at the end of the bench for sure. Uh, just got to address Eric real quick. I did not say Patty retired. I just said that, you know, they, they were the coffee gang. Like, they were the originators of it. It was him, Manu, Boris. So all those guys are gone now. I was saying Jock was bringing it back. And Jock went to the same college as Patty, so he knows about it. He's in the know. Um, and speaking of Jock, it was just awesome to see. I mean, when he did get out there and hit threes, it was just like, oh, a big that can shoot. Obviously, he had some problems defensively. We saw him get pushed around, bullied a little bit. Um, just like we saw in the Olympics a little bit um, against, you know, guys like Bam Adebayo. Um, But, you know, getting to see him at the four, I like to see that and see the versatility. I think really the question is in the offseason, something that you've talked about, Ethan, is I wonder if he slims down a little bit and they kind of move him to that four position permanently. I don't really think that that's going to happen. I think that he's just going to probably stay as a center and just keep trying to get better. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think at the end of the day, he's probably just going to be like just a, a good basketball player. Somebody not super athletic, but just makes the plays, does everything right. I think if he can understand rotations a little bit more and get a little bit smarter, that can make him better. But um, I'm not sure if he's going to like jump into the backup center role or the backup power forward role. But I think he'll be on the roster. That's a fair assumption. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that would be a pretty crazy assumption now that I'm thinking about it for him to jump in. But let's see what our man MEZ says. I would look into Julius Randle right now. He's in a similar situation to Zach Randolph before he went to Memphis. Memphis was able to resurrect his career. A small market essay could help Randle. So I have my reservations about Julius Randle just because of the way that everything's going down in New York. I just don't know if necessarily his personality fits the Spurs, but if the Spurs end up going after Julius Randle, I feel like they're going to get the most out of him. It's kind of like what I said earlier. If if the Spurs do end up like, you know, just like with Aiton, if they do end up going after him, then I'll believe in it. But until that happens, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen just because we're San Antonio. I'll we still have reservations, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just don't think the Spurs will make moves like that. If we were to bring him on board, I, I would be 100% behind him because I do think he has a lot of, you know, skill at that four spot that could he gives us what we need, which is a, a big four that can bang, that can score on his own, create for others. And he was an all-star at one point, um, so we can't forget that. It's only just this past season that he's really struggled, and that's because... You know, I don't know if it was his fault. I don't follow the story closely enough, but the city of New York really just turned on him because they were having a pretty bad year. Um, so I'm not against it, but I just don't think it'll happen. I, I just don't see it. 
Yeah, I don't see it happening either. Um, unless the Spurs, like, if Brian Wright is going into this offseason and he's like, we're big money playing, then maybe I could see it as a potential player around the league that we'd go after. But I have a feeling that we'll probably, and we'll get into this probably in another episode, but I have a feeling that, I'm, like, like I said earlier, when you look at this roster, they can bring everybody back, and that's just the most Spurs thing to do. So I feel like that's what will probably happen. Um, obviously, we'll have our draft picks and maybe like a signing here or there. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Doug McDermott too. But going back to Julius Randle, I think on the floor, when he is consistent, there is a lot of appeal of bringing him to our roster. It's just the off-the-floor questions for me. Um, and to be honest, I probably need to look into the New York situation a little bit more and I might've been a little bit premature, but from what I've heard, it doesn't really look like, it just doesn't seem like he, the way that he's talking about it and like the way that he's wanting out, it just doesn't seem like a a Spurs player personality trait. So we'll have to see, but I'm not really, I don't really think it's going to happen. Um, but now we'll go to the next person on the list. And I think that this was the more mysterious end of the season. And it might have just been because he wasn't there. And that's Doug McDermott. I liked Doug McDermott when he was actually playing. Uh, I know he got hurt. I was actually at that Indiana game that he got injured. Um, but I thought he brought an interesting dynamic to the team that we hadn't had in a while, which is a guy that doesn't need the ball at all. He's a terrific you know, mover you know, from corner to corner, gets open threes, will knock them down with consistency. Um, I know defensively he sometimes struggled a lot, particularly in that Mavericks game. Everybody remembers that when Jalen Brunson just targeted him over and over and over Pain. again. And I don't know why we kept switching it, but we did. Uh, and he just got abused. Um, if we were to move from Doug McDermott, I don't think it's his fault. I think he's a terrific player that a lot of teams would like, including me, to be on their team. Um, but we just have so many other guys on the roster. So, And he's a he's a a valuable trade asset. So if we are really going to go 100% in to kind of loading up on young guys and rebuilding 100%, um, it's hard to see him on the team uh, long term. Uh, but I, I would I would predict exactly the same amount of production from next season if he were to stay, especially since we have a lot of guys kind of stepping up into those, you know, heavy scoring load kind of roles. Yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch Doug McDermott this offseason because he's a player that's valued around the league. And I think just him playing in the Spurs system and what he brought, like if you turn on his tape, you can just be like any team can use that. Mm-hmm. His his cutting got better. It seems like he's a little bit faster, um, a little bit slimmer in the frame. Um, and he's still the shooter that he was, another 40% shooting year. You know what he is defensively, but it seems like he his positioning is a little bit better. I remember at the beginning of the year, we were surprised at his defensive ability. We were like, okay, he's not as bad as we thought he was. Um, you know, Obviously, he's still going to get beat most of the time, but he, he gives effort. And at that point, that's really all you can ask. Um, so I just think that he's one of the players to watch that could get moved. I don't know why. I just have this weird feeling just because he's a veteran and mm-hmm. the way the season ended as well, and the way that the Spurs played without him, um, and Jay Rich, it's like, you know, do you want to, you might, if you're going to pay Jay Rich that same amount of money, you might as well just get something out of Doug when you can send him like anywhere in the league, especially like a championship contender, like send him to coach Bud, get something back. I don't know. Um, I, I actually, I don't know if there's anything we'd really want on the Bucks, but <laughs> that we could get for Doug McDermott at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anyways, another thing, though, before we move on, 
am easy. Misunderstood me here a little bit. I was saying that I think the Spurs will bring everybody back. He said you would be okay with bringing everybody back. SMH going for the play-in game did nothing for them. Um, I disagree. I think that that was some good experience for them. I just think that the refs, that's a whole other spiel. But the point is, I was just saying that I thought that's what the Spurs will do, not what I would be cool with them doing. Although, I honestly, if they did that, I think I would, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I would be completely cool with it. I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't be, like, super excited about it, though. We'll have to see. I think Brian Wright making moves at the deadline this offseason has us all kind of in a conundrum. Like, what's going to happen? Because we've never had a GM make moves like this, so now we don't know really what to expect. Because on any other year, you're right. They would just run it back exactly with this exact same team. Maybe re-sign Bryn Forbes. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) But again, now, yeah, but now I really have no idea. I mean, Julius Randle, maybe that is 100% in their, you know, plans to do. Maybe trading all three firsts yep, is in their the plans too. to do. Like, we have no idea what they're going to do. Um, so I'm, I tend to just kind of stay on the conservative end of things because I'm, it's a little bit safer yeah. uh, as far as my predictions. Like, even our trades, like, even though they were big for us, they really weren't that crazy. Like, we traded mm-hmm. a guard that wasn't shooting very well for a guard that is now shooting well, another young piece in a pick. Yeah. Like that's not that crazy for most other teams, but for the Spurs, it's like, Oh my gosh. But it was also the impact it had on the team too, I think is what makes this discussion even more like there's just more energy in Mm -hmm. the conundrum you're talking about because of it. But getting back to the task at hand, let's talk about the next person, our chosen one. Joshua Primo. Mm. Very exciting young man. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think we saw He's a very lot. young. He's the youngest player in the G League and the NBA. Mm. Correct. Not in the G League anymore, but yes. this season still. I think he showed his age quite a lot this season. I know he started a lot, but he also never really had more than 20 minutes that often because Pop usually pulled him pretty quickly after he, you know, turned the ball over one too many times or made a mental error or got lost on defensive rotations. But just from a pure potential, what he's showing me right now, the dude has, you know, so much upside, not only on the offensive side of the ball, Jude, but just defensively, his help defense, his instincts are incredible. And yep. his confidence is just through the roof. There is not a single shot on the court that he does not think he can make which I like in a young guard. Um, And he's also shown signs of being a terrific playmaker, just like naturally understanding where everybody is on the floor, especially coming off of pick and roll situations, uh, which I did not think he could do uh, when when we drafted him out of Alabama. I thought he was really just going to be a three and D guy um, and get very limited playing time, but he's shown me a lot more. So moving into next season, Man, especially if we don't re-sign Lonnie, which I think is likely. I think he becomes that six-man role for us. Um, we're starting Devin, naturally, and he takes a step up both in scoring and in playmaking and hopefully can be what Lonnie Walker couldn't be, which is consistent. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, well, it's hard to even like put him in the same conversation as Lonnie, even though that's a great comparison just because – they're so different. It's like this is mm-hmm. everything we wanted Lonnie to be and more. It's like a gold mine at the 13th pick. I mean, <laughs> we were all mad about it when it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Um, I mean, just it's it's so wild because we watched the whole year, right? And we watched consistently. So we're like, eh, Primo had an okay year. And then you go turn on his highlight tape and you're like, 
oh my god, this is like one of the best rookies in the league. Like, not actually, because it's not as long as everybody else's, because, you know, he didn't get as much PT. But the talent is there. You see it. You see the dunk to start it off. I mean, we remember that. And to see the energy from him at the end of the year, how he played in those starting moments, how nothing phases him at all, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Nothing phases him at all. And that kind of gets in to what our man Amizi is saying here. Some in Spurs Nation... Oh, he says it has to stop with the Kobe comparisons when it comes to Primo. He has upside, but let's react, relax. I and that, but the reason that people like make that comparison and what Maz is saying is very true. Like we 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 can't be crowning him one of the greatest players in NBA history after a rookie season that we really didn't get to see too much from him. He was mainly in the G League, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's just the fact that he has that, like, you know, that stoicness about him on the court. That, and that's something that's very intriguing for um, a lot of Spurs fans when you combine that with the talent. Because like you said, it's like he has the confidence to make every shot and he's never afraid. And then on top of that, he's 6'6 um, and can play the one through three. And he's only 19. He's so young. At the end of his rookie contract, he's going to be where Quindary Weatherspoon was starting his career. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So... It's just super exciting for Josh Primo. Obviously, there were some ups and downs, but like when you just you can see the mental spot that he's at, and for being there at such a young age, it just kind of makes you like not worry about the rest of the basketball stuff with the talent he has. Yeah, and I think where the Kobe comparisons come in, I understand what (laughs) Mazie is saying is, yeah, Kobe in his rookie year averaged like seven points a game and shot like 40 something percent like like low 40s from the field and he had that game where he but he had way more like, pt though they only know 15 15 really? minutes a game okay but that's still more than, than primo. yeah it's still more than primo but but even then primo yeah. averaged six on less minutes mm-hmm. per game so i i mean I, I don't think it's out out of the question obviously he's not you know kobe bryant but that's wild primo averaged six that's crazy i would expect it more to be like two or three just off the top of my head on 19 minutes a game technically even how many games did kobe play he played 71 okay but i think what, what where i get the kobe comparison mm-hmm. isn't necessarily his game but just when kobe airballed three balls in a, in a row uh, and just kept shooting them for some reason like that confidence i see that same like confidence the way he carries himself uh, not necessarily his game style but just the mm-hmm. way he he the swagger he walks into the gym definitely room. I definitely see that, but this is a funny comment. The way they talk about Primo, he better be one of the top five players in the summer league. And easy with our luck, he ain't playing in the summer league, bro. Yep. <laughs> Bob's holding them out. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to the next man on our list. And I'm actually going to skip to some of the guys who got PT and then we'll go into the rest of the gang. Um, so we're going to jump over to Zach Collins. And so when I mentioned that earlier, I wasn't like, the Spurs are definitely going to not accept his player or his team option. I was just wondering, like, hey, you never know with the Spurs. Like, if we are going after one of these bigs, maybe we want to keep Jakob as the backup guy and go after a bigger name, and that means Zach Collins is getting cut, and we're just going to keep Jock as the three, uh, or the third string. So I, I think that we're going to bring Zach Collins back, um, especially like we've mentioned many a times on this show. Even next year's $7 million option, that's not fully guaranteed depending on his performance. So it could really turn into like 2 or $3 million, depending on how he plays. Um, obviously, we hope it jumps up to that 7 but that's yet to be seen. What are your thoughts on this Zach situation and our complete control over his career, Ethan? <laughs> I, I like bringing Zach Collins back next year. I think having a healthy offseason will do wonders for how he played. I mean, he averaged 8-5 and five this year. Um, and a lot of those games were him really not getting that many minutes or sharing backup minutes with Jock Landale. 
Um, so I think having one more season to really strengthen his body, get his legs back underneath him, get used to playing basketball, get into basketball shape, uh, he'll be a much better backup big come next fall. Um, that being said, if we can get a better you know, starting big and move Jakob down or trade Jakob, you know, so many situations that we could be in, encountering this offseason. I'm not against cutting Zach or trading Zach, but for the sake of the video, I think he will be a much improved big next season. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and especially with the chemistry and, mm-hmm. and the biggest thing, you know, that I haven't even thought when we've mentioned Zach Collins, this is, this is his first time playing consistently yeah. in two years, right? Like, yeah. and he didn't play bad. No, he didn't. <laughs> so I'd I'd be intrigued to to play out this contract and see where he is because at the end of that he's going to be just entering his prime. Um, what next year he'll be twenty five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean it's crazy to think still younger than Jock, um, and it's got a lot of potential. That's why I'm saying like the Spurs could really if they wanted to like they've already got their three centers um, going into the off season. I don't I think there will be some moves made, Ethan, but. Yeah, with Zach, I'd like to see him come back, but also if we make a move that, you know, significantly makes us better at at the center position instead of playing him, then I'm not going to be mad at it. But the other thing about his contract is he's somebody just like I said with Doug and kind of with Jakob, somebody else to watch on the trade block because his his contract's very movable and it's super appealing to you know, maybe like like the Magic or something. I mean, obviously, there might be some other teams too, but those teams, there'd definitely be some teams that could be interested in a young player that can stretch the floor and plays hard. So, yeah. M-Easy says that he's better at the four. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll get to see that a little bit more after another offseason of conditioning. You know, I mentioned Jakob earlier. Maybe that's more reasonable to talk about Zach there. Um I mean, we saw what the Pelicans did. We didn't really get to see the Spurs combat it with the Zach Collins lineup, but I wouldn't be mad at seeing Zach get some four minutes. But let's move on to another Spur that joined us midway through the year. And we were really happy about it. Pleasantly surprised. That's Josh Richardson, Jay Rich, the man who was just on the NBA UK channel, is in the United Kingdom, and was in Spurs gear, and the Spurs are retweeting it. So, we'll see what happens, but... It is refreshing to see a veteran that actually wants to be a San Antonio Spur. Um, he fits in with the guys. He's, he's a great culture guy. Uh, he's not trying to get in anybody's way. He's not trying to steal minutes or become a star again and revitalize his career. He knows his role. He's an off-ball 3 and D guy that can provide energy either off the bench or as that starting two, honestly. like He can play either spot. Um, really like our, our new Danny Green. I know I say that a lot, but he really is the new <laughs> But with Danny handles. Green. But yeah, with handles. With a little bit more, yeah, with a little bit more shot uh, creation. Um, and playmaking. Every once in a while, yeah. Um, so I was very happy to finally get him on the team. I was a little nervous at first because of how much like his statistics had kind of fallen oh. since leaving Miami. Um, but clearly there's something with the pop system. We were able to kind of find some of that juice that was still left in the tank. Um and he's another guy that really hurts Lonnie Walker's re-signing, um, like, scenario. Chances. Yeah, chances yeah. there, you Because um, I wouldn't mind him being coming off the bench and taking over some of those Lonnie mo- minutes either. He's a seasoned vet, and he's 28, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, I mean, he's still in the middle of his prime. Um, you can tell he really likes DJ. 
you know, like you said, one of the few players and veterans that want to be here. Um, whenever he got traded, he quote tweeted his tweet from 2014, tweeting about the Spurs when they were winning the championship. I want to play for Greg Popovich. Now he gets to. Um, and I think we just found each other at the right times. Like he mm-hmm. was struggling in Boston. He got traded here. Uh, I think the system fit him better. He His role was probably a little bit more clearly defined. Um, and just the way that in times where like, like in the playing game, for example, where the young guys were getting rattled or the offense wasn't doing well, he was just able to go get us a shot. He was able to take over. As you know, as you said, he's mainly that off-ball shooter. But if he had to, he was just the pure vet and he was able to use kind of those Miami skills that we remember when he had the ball in his hands more um, and made some tough shots in that game, um, which showed a lot to me also how he can play in those moments. The stat sheet wasn't crazy, but if you watch, you see his impact Uh, defensively. I mean, it's night and day, like when you compare him and Lonnie Walker. um, And I mean, his shooting stats on the Spurs, I remember we pulled it up on a couple lives ago. Stat Moose showed it like since the... The trade, he was like 44% at one point. Basically shot like 40% splits in like all the major shooting categories after the trade. I mean, he was exactly what we needed. Um, and, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm down with the the qualifying offer to have Lonnie as our sixth man. It's like that's kind of the gamble. And then you can just go or you could go with Josh Richardson and just get the for sure thing NBA vet. And as Pop said, brought a little bit of nasty. I think that was needed too. 100 yeah, so the one thing that our man M-Easy does bring, about, bring up, though, is that it could cut into minutes for Primo, Vassell, and Lonnie. Depending on, I think if we bring Richardson back, or Jay Rich, I think that Lonnie's gone. Um, so in that scenario, I think that Vassell will probably still be starting. And they might play Jay Rich at the three and play Primo at the two. Or maybe they play Jay Rich at the two and Primo at the three. So I actually think that would work out. Um, unless we make some other signings and then Primo's not playing, but... I think that we're going to keep kind of giving these young guys minutes as we did with Devin and Keldon and like in each season with the ones we believe in our first round guys, give them a little bit more of a jump if they keep progressing. I agree. But let's move on now to the rest of the gang. These are the final four, actually the final three, and I'm just going to do them all three together <laughs> just yeah, so we can, wrap, we can wrap these up. And that's Joe Camp, Devontae Kaycock, and the legend Romeo Langford. <laughs> what to say? <laughs> you know, Wheezy in the G League was a you know, dynamite three-point shooter, but I don't think he hit but maybe one or two when he came <laughs> yeah. up to the NBA. Like, the dude couldn't get his shot to fall, so I just get his confidence uh, under wraps. Another year in the G yeah. League, you think? Yeah, <laughs> I think so, probably. Yeah, another two-way. For, for I like Devonte Kaycock. I think yeah. he he's an animal. I think we should actually think about giving him some minutes off the bench. Yeah. Uh, and then who was the last one? Uh, 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 Romeo. Romeo Romeo Langford, who uh, is technically a restricted free agent. Wow, I don't know if we'll bring him back. It's like a five million dollar qualifying deal. If we can get him in the sh- in the gym with Chip. <laughs> I, I just honestly didn't see enough of Romeo, which was Boston's complaint, too. Like, I literally almost saw nothing. When I did see him, I liked it. He just couldn't shoot. Yeah, that was the only problem. He could shoot mid-range, couldn't shoot the three. Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in those three guys, I mean, Kaycock brings some physicality that we kind of talk about with Jakob not having and the Spurs lacking. I'd like to see how he progresses just with his ability. It's, the problem is, though, like, 
you really play, you have to play him next to a shooter. Like you have no choice but to play him next to a shooting big because he can't shoot. Um, but everything else with Kaycock, he's really a solid player and a solid four. Um, you know, not anything game breaking, but <laughs> you know, I'd like to see a little bit more of him too. I, I just, I wonder if he can really become like, like, is he a backup four on a championship team? I don't know, but I like Kaycock. I'm down to bring him back, especially as a, as the third string four. Like I would 100% be down for that. Um, he's like Eubanks 2.0, but better. <laughs> He's got some ability, man. Uh, <laughs> I like I like my boy Kaycock. Um, and then in regards to Wheezy, shout out to his work on the Austin Spurs. Yeah, you know, not too much. We we didn't get anything meaningful really from him this year. And then Romeo, I mean, came in, played minutes that one game, had a great game until he shot the ball. <laughs> and then it was like, oh no, oh god. Oh. And then. Uh, but I mean, a solid defender, you know, I liked what I saw from Romeo. I, I think at, at best with Romeo Langford, I'd be cool to bring him back as a third string three. I think he would be, if we can get him back on a reasonable deal, like that's going to be better than any other, you know, third string three that we could probably go get at least potential wise. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that you could develop if you want to go get a, a vet, I'm cool with that too. But you already kind of have Jay Rich at kind of in that, you know, role there. Yeah. So McDermott. Mm-hmm. so i'd be down to bring romeo back just to fill another roster spot and see how he develops and who knows maybe you know we unlock something in him um i doubt it but i think you know the spurs traded for him for a reason i think when they got those two guys like they wanted them it wasn't just like oh we're taking these guys on like they brought mm-hmm. something to the team that they thought would be good yes all righty well i think at an hour and five minutes ethan uh there's no reason to talk about dj stewart jr and robert woodard the second who were our two no. two-way deals after we signed <laughs> wees camp and kaycock and i just want to say that it's super ironic because both of those guys are literally quindary's like padawans i didn't even realize it but they're both from mississippi state so when quindary was a senior these were the these were the youngins these are the guys who came in after him and were actually way better um so anyways we'll 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 stop talking about quindary he's he's technically still in the playoffs right he's yeah on the he Warriors. is mm-hmm. so quindary the one spur what spurs are alive in the playoffs let's wrap up with that actually uh, we no got patty, no, no patty. marcus Derek white for the boston celtics Derek white for the boston celtics yes um uh, kyle anderson for the memphis grizzlies gorgie jang Gor- <laughs> no he's out Oh, he played for Atlanta. I'm pretty sure. Payne, you're absolutely right. Um, I thought he was uh, he was on the Grizzlies at one point. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, do 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 Oh, uh, I know. I'm. There's some other ones that we're forgetting. This is really interesting. To, the Suns don't have anybody. Mm-mm. The Warriors Pels, have Quindary. Warriors have Quindary. Memphis has Kyle Nobody on the Mavericks. Mm-mm. Boban. Oh, Rudy Gay. Boban Marjanovic. And, and Rudy Gay's not even playing right now. No, That's the weird not. thing. But that was what it was. I was it's almost Rudy. like he was washed last year. <laughs> <laughs> he did so much for us, though, in the play. Yeah, he really did. He tried his hardest. <laughs> so, and now he's on, and now they're going to get beat. But mm-hmm. honestly, I hate to say it. I mean, look, I get that it was probably an easy tw- transition going from Pop to Quinn Snyder, somebody who's familiar with the Spurs. But, bruh, the Jazz are notoriously fraudulent. They're a regular mm-hmm. season team. You can't. You just can't. They may even win this series, but it doesn't matter because they're not advancing after that. And I don't think that they're going to win this. But 
anyways, that was, yeah. I, I know you got to go where you want to. You only have so many offers, but I feel like you sign a minimum with the Warriors. You're sitting pretty right now, Rudy. You already made a lot of money, bro. Uh, Bryn is also still technically. There you go. Yeah. Where's, I forgot where we even traded him. <laughs> uh, he's in Denver with, <laughs> with Wancho. There you go. Yes. Wancho. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. George Hill also. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Georgie, man. I can't believe I forgot about Georgie. That would be somebody that I would be down to have as a third string point guard next year. Completely off topic. I would love to bring George Hill back at some, maybe not even this year. Just at some point in his career, if we keep rolling with DeJounte and Trey Jones, would love to bring Georgie back as a minimum. I'm cool with that. Yeah, would love that. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys for coming out today. We will be back with some more content. We'll be trying to make some more clips as well. It's the off seasons. There's a lot more openness kind of with just our ideas. We might do some other fun Spurs stuff as well. Maybe even talk about the playoffs a little bit. We mentioned that. Maybe give some predictions on some series, stuff like that. Um, But if you enjoyed today, don't forget to like and subscribe. You can also listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other places. Just pay attention to Ethan and you'll know what's happening. Follow us on Twitter at Ethan underscore Quintero and at Jude McLaren to stay updated with the show. And then if you want to go get some merchandise of ours, you can go ahead and head over to SpursTubeTV.com and check out the content on that channel as well. We appreciate you guys. We'll catch y'all in the next one. And it's been fun.